Welcome to Living Water Radio. There are lots of different kinds of churches, but they are all one church. The Christian church is divided, but that could be a good thing. Jesus calls for church unity as a means, not as an end. How can those things be? Today, we're going to find out. But first, we have an announcement. I'm Pastor David Burkettall, and my wife, Reverend Sally Welch, and I began to co-produce these videos, Streams of Living Water, at the beginning of this global pandemic, now becoming an endemic, and as we move into the new normal, to share a sense of connection and encouragement and an opportunity to reflect on what it means to be a Christian. Sally and I are retired clergy with over 80 years of ordained ministry experience between us. Now... The isolation we all experienced at the height of the pandemic is loosening up. We are all living under fewer pandemic restrictions, though rising COVID cases in L.A. County are a concern and we must be vigilant. Most churches have now gone back to some provisions for physically present worship and Christian community life, along with the necessary restrictions in place for the sake of others. I've been leading worship and preaching at different churches on Sundays. I will be preaching every Sunday at the same church, St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Monterey Park. Plus, I will be working there a few hours every week starting on June 1st to help the congregation get its traction. Sally will be taking up a more active schedule as a docent at the Simon Wiesenthal Center Museum of Tolerance in Los Angeles and continuing her ecumenical activities. Therefore, we will go from two videos, podcasts, and blogs each week to one starting in June. The one video will be moving to Wednesdays, still at the same times, 11.15 a.m. on the Streams of Living Water Facebook page at 11.30 a.m., on the David Burkettall Facebook page at 12 noon, on our YouTube channel, Streams of Living Water, with the podcast and blog to follow. We hope that videos, podcasts, and blogs that we've been producing have been helpful to you, and we look forward to continuing our service to you as we move forward into whatever comes. Now, back to being one church with all its diversity of denominations. I imagine that you pass lots of other churches on your way to the one where you worship. There's a Presbyterian one, and a Baptist one, and a Methodist one, and a generic one, and a Pentecostal one, and a Roman Catholic one, and a Lutheran one, and a Christian Church Disciples of Christ slash United Church of Christ one, and a Nazarene one, and lots of different kinds of Orthodox ones, and lots and lots of other ones. We may know members of other churches. We may have friends or relatives or neighbors of, in other churches, but we usually pass like ships in the night barely acknowledging one another's existence. We are competing for shrinking resources. Well, we don't think of ourselves as being competitive, but people considering Christian church membership do. And we compete with lots of other competing religions like personal improvement, video games, new age practices, camping, entertainment, shopping, working out, hiking, and our number one competitor in Southern California, youth sports, and more. The thing that unites us as Christians of different denominations could be our common competition. But we who are Christians have many more things in common than things that divide us. Sally and I found this in each other when we met after being assigned from our two denominations to an ecumenical group helping churches work together in common ministries. What does Jesus say about this? 
The text often pointed to is from the end of what is called Jesus' high priestly prayer at the Last Supper. It is John seventeen twenty through 26. Let's start with verses 20 and 21. I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, as you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus, in his final hours, prays for us. He prays for those who believe in him through the witness of his first disciples. That's us. And what does he pray for? He prays for more than cooperation. He prays that we be one. How can this happen? Jesus says that it comes by recognizing the common relationship we have as a result of our common experience of the presence of the Holy Spirit. It comes by a relationship of presence, just as God the Father is in Jesus the Son and as Jesus the Son is in God the Father. Why does Jesus pray that this might happen? It's not so that we can sing songs of unity around the campfire. It's pragmatic. It's so that our witness is credible, so that the world may believe that Jesus is God. The world sees our disunity and conflict, and it diminishes our credibility. Nowhere is this seen more plainly today than in Ukraine, where the Russian Orthodox Patriarch declared the Russian invasion to be a holy war against unwanted Western influence, bringing disaster to the Russian Orthodox living in Ukraine. How can we overcome this? Jesus continues in verses 22 and 23. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one, as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become completely one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. This unity among Christians of which Jesus speaks is not something we can achieve by ourselves. It's something that we can only receive from God. The irony of these words of Jesus calling for unity among his disciples is that they were the last words he said to his disciples before they went to the Mount of Olives and Judas betrayed him. We cannot achieve unity. It can only come as a gift from God. And we have been given everything we need to be completely one. Jesus has given us the same glory that he first received from God the Father. Why? Again, a pragmatic reason. So that the world may know that God the Father has sent God the Son, God's self, and has loved us even as Jesus Christ the Son has loved us, sacrificially. No love can be purer. Jesus explains this in verse 24. Father, I desire that those also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory, which you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. The glory of God has been known in the world since its foundation. Jesus is God and Jesus has revealed his glory to us and we are to reveal it to the world. How does this happen? We see in verses 25 and 26. Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made your name known to them, and I will make it known, 
so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. The name in Bible times was believed to carry the true self of the person or thing that is named. When Jesus speaks of making the name of God known, he is speaking of having made God's true self known. It is seen in everything Jesus does and says and is. He adds that he also will make it known, which I believe is his coming torture and death on the cross. Why was this done? So that the love with which God the Father has loved Jesus the Son may be in us. That is the nature of our unity. God's true self is seen in God's essence, sacrificial love seen most clearly at the cross. It is that transformational love of God at work in all of us, Roman Catholics, Orthodox, and Protestants. It doesn't require visible unity for this unity to exist. We may only understand our unity in Christ in the world to come. When I was just starting in my first parish, Christ Lutheran Church in Compton, I was feeling overwhelmed. One day during that time, I read an article in the Christian Century magazine by a doctor. He wrote about how his first job out of medical school was opening a new free clinic on the south side of Chicago. His supervisor, another doctor, came by with a file folder under his arm and a book. He laid the file folder on the new doctor's desk, opened it, and said, These are the people I want you to hire for the clinic. The new doctor looked through the papers and said, These people aren't qualified, and I know we can do better. Maybe, said the supervising doctor, but I owe people favors, and you will hire them. That's how it works in this neighborhood. The new doctor countered that he would not be hiring them, that he would be interviewing and selecting his own staff, and he knew he could do that because he knew the law. The supervising doctor took the book he brought with him, laid it on the new doctor's desk, and opened it. The book had been hollowed out, and inside was a forty-five automatic pistol. He said, Doctor, in this neighborhood, this is the law. Now hire these people. The new doctor wrote that he became discouraged in his work, believing that the good he was doing was being overcome by the evil in the system itself. One day, someone gave him a book on the monastic hours of prayer. He read it and began to observe the hours, stopping to pray five times a day. He wrote that it didn't happen right away, but that he began to feel that he was connected to something larger than himself, that he was like a thread in a tapestry, the individual meaning of which would not be apparent, but that someday God would weave it together with lots of other threads into a beautiful tapestry whose meaning would be clear to all who saw it. I believe that the churches and the denominations may be like that as well, like threads that will one day be woven together in the big picture received by all. It takes all kinds of churches to reach all kinds of people. The body of Christ is the Bible's main metaphor for the church. Christ is the head of the church, and each member contributes to the whole. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 14, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. And we were all made to drink of one Spirit. 
Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. In fact, the many Christian denominations have produced a religious vitality in the United States. There are many places in the world where there is one state church and your choice is take it or leave it. And guess what? Many people have left it. Your choice in the United States is take it or go to another church or start your own church. This has provided a rich diversity of Christian life. In part, as a result, we aren't as parochial as we used to be. One of my best friends growing up also became a Lutheran pastor. When he was in seminary, he met and fell in love with a Roman Catholic young woman who had been in a convent and in the turbulent 60s left to marry him. When they were dating, he said they alternated going to each other's churches, Lutheran and Roman Catholic. The first thing he noticed was the differences in how people justified being late for worship. In the Roman Catholic Church, people would say, well, yes, I was late, but I was there in time for the Eucharist, Holy Communion. In the Lutheran Church, people would say, well, yes, I was late, but I was there in time for the sermon. We have differences, but in the midst of our visible diversity, we have the unity that comes as a gift of the Holy Spirit. Next time, we're going to see how that happens. Today, let's remember to pray for all those who have yet to get the vaccines and the boosters, because they are most at risk to themselves and to others. And let's remember to pray the Lord's Prayer sometime today, the one that Jesus taught us. If you don't know what that is, contact us at therevsdavidandsally at gmail.com or send us a tweet to at David Burkadal and we'll send it to you. Send your prayer requests to either of the same addresses and we'll include them next time. Send your comments there as well. As always, we encourage you to stay hydrated. Open your heart to receive the living water from the source, God's self, the living presence of the one true living God, the God who gave himself on the cross so that all who believe and are baptized might be restored to the living relationship with God for which we were created. Remember your church. Identify one if you don't already have one. Ask a friend about it or a family member. Google it. Contact the pastor. When you have a church, go to or tune into the worship service they have available. And support your church financially so that it will be fully functioning as we move now out of the variants and back into the new normal. Support your pastor and church leaders. Pray for them and help them in any way that you can. They're trying to find their footing. They're trying to keep everybody happy. You know how impossible that is. Support them. Pray for them. If you or a loved one are having thoughts of suicide or are struggling with mental health issues, call somebody, contact a friend or a relative, Google a local national hotline, talk with a professional, reach out. You are not alone. There are people around you who will walk with you through this dark time and into the light. Wear a mask when you're outside your home, practice social distancing, wash or sanitize your hands regularly, get your vaccine. It's the one thing you can do to keep lowering the curve and to literally save lives. Do it for the sake of others. Avoid crowds if you can, and be outside if you have to be in a crowd. Be kind to everyone you come into contact with, especially those who are sacrificing their security to provide for yours. We all struggle in some way. Be a helper and an encourager. Thank you for listening to Living Water Radio. 
We are here for Christians and for the people of the Los Angeles metropolitan area who are looking for a sense of Christian community, a source of hope, and a way to thrive together during this global pandemic. We hope you'll tune in next time and invite your friends to do the same. Meanwhile, Sally and I encourage you to open your hearts to receive living water, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and stay hydrated. <laughs>